Welcome to the Rappaport Diamond Podcast, and now your host, Javi Kravitz. This podcast is brought to you by De Beers Group Ignite, pioneering a new diamond world through groundbreaking innovation, science, and technology. Inspired by the world's unrelenting change, De Beers Ignite is driven to develop creative solutions for the diamond industry, not only for existing challenges, but also for those it may never have faced before, helping you to achieve growth with efficient and accurate technologies throughout the diamond pipeline. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Rapport Diamond podcast. My name is Avi Kravitz. I'm a senior analyst at Rapport, and I'm going to have a discussion today with Joshua Friedman, live from Las Vegas. Very excited to hear about the, the feedback from the show. Joshua's um, working all sorts of crazy hours. Um, how's it going there, Joshua? How are you doing um, your first Las Vegas show? Um, it's great to see you from afar. Yes, it's good to be uh, in Las Vegas and good to be on the podcast. It's very busy. It's very, um, lots of people here, um, certainly more than the last couple of years. And yeah, I think people are generally pretty, uh, pretty optimistic and happy to be here. Well, I can, I can feel the, the positive vibes from, from here, from afar. I wasn't able to make it in the end as, uh, maybe famously or infamously everyone knows. Um, I wasn't able to get my visa, <laughs> visa on time, but, um, so I'm definitely following all the action on Instagram and on LinkedIn, and it just looks like a, your your Vegas show of old. You know that uh, I was there last year, and it was still kind of this weary or eerie um, COVID feel to it. Um, and it seems that the show, at least, is kind of back to people are excited to be there, and there's a there seems to be a big crowd. So it's uh, it's great to see that. Yeah, definitely big crowds and everyone shaking hands. Everyone's uh, no mask like last year. It's uh, yeah, seems like a pretty normal show. Um, well, it's it's good to see and it's good to hear. So, so I mean, what is the general mood and uh, and the conversation that's um, that's happening at the at the show? What are people are people optimistic? Are people, um, you know, how are they feeling about the about the the market about the prospects for for the coming few months, the second half of the year? I think overall, people are optimistic. However, the biggest concern is is inflation. The people I spoke to had different assessments of how that would affect the market. And everything from it would actually be beneficial because people will want to put their money in in solid items to well, people there's going to be less disposable income available because people will just the the uh, uh, gas prices are going up, and mm. um, food prices are going up. Uh, and that will especially hit the mid and low end. So as I say, I think uh, overall positive, but various degrees of concern about this inflation thing. Right. I, I guess it depends who you're talking to as well, right? Um, sure. uh, whether you're speaking to people on, uh, people on the retail end of the, of the spectrum or within the trade. Um, do you see a difference in in the in the outlook and the and the feeling between the various segments of the of the industry? I think it's la- it's largely the same, um, but the in terms of the diamond people, I mean they're they're selling. Uh, everyone, most people I spoke to said they were selling at the show um, because diamonds are in demand at the moment because of some shortages and some retailers are concerned they might not be able to get diamond supply later in the year, so they're buying a lot now. So I, mm. I, I would say it's pretty much the same. And it seems that buyers have um, have the cash 
to yes. they, they have the liquidity to yeah. um, after the last after last year, which was such a, a strong year for the industry, they have the the liquidity to make those purchases, and this is an opportunity to to really yeah. see the yeah. goods on mass. And one of the things I'm asking people about is whether people are buying more on memo or on asset. Um, sounds like there isn't a major, there hasn't been a major change there, but uh, when there's more liquidity, you might and and generally stronger demand, you might expect more asset purchases rather than rather than memo purchases. Mm. Well, it's um, I mean, it's it's good to hear. Um, firstly, that there's strong trading going on. I'm I'm just wondering if that's go- that's a reflection of what's happening at the retail at the retail level. If the, if consumers are buying, because we're hearing a fairly cautious sort of outlook um, in other areas of the market. Um, people are definitely talking about the macroeconomic impact of um, of inflation of. Uh, of um, the war in, the, in in Ukraine and how that affects global economic um, sentiment, and and therefore are people just low on inventory? And as you said, concerned that they might it's getting hot, it might get a bit more difficult to find the right goods. Um, there's an, an anticipated shortage that might affect um, buying at the moment, but it's not necessarily reflected at retail. Is that is. Is the show a gauge of um, what we can expect for for retail in the second half? Yeah, I mean, we got fairly fairly positive results from from Signet um, a few days ago. They you know, their, their sales increased in the in the, the f- uh, in the first quarter, um, but they did also say that they they saw a, a degree of softening at lower price points. So uh, and that's you know, due to inflation and the, the lack of uh, the lack of the, the fiscal stimulus that there was a year earlier. Mm. I think you may you may be right there that uh, that retail demand has softened, but shortages are supporting it, supporting the market. Right, and it's uh, and what th- their um, their commentary on the market is consistent to what you were hinting to earlier that that people are are, are still have are confident that um that consumers will will tend to that value product which um which diamonds um represents um and so as signet suggested that there was um still a a shift to, there is a shift towards a higher higher price points and it's really that that lower price point that uh, yeah. that would be, yeah. be affected in the in the coming few months from the from the yeah. headwinds of inflation, yeah. as they say. Um, so, uh, so yeah, it'll be an interesting, interesting few months. Well, that, that's for sure. Second half of the year, at least. Um, but um, so, so, Joshua, the the Vegas show is generally known for for being an an event where companies can make big announcements, and often we have these kind of earth shattering um, or industry shaking. Announcements coming out of Vegas, and it seems that this year was no different. Um, what what um, what caught your eye in terms of the the big news items that uh, that that came out of the show so far? So I'm going to pick out two things. Uh, firstly, just before JCK, the GIA announced that they were shifting all of their grading reports to digital only by 2025. So there will be no more paper reports. And by 2023, the diamond dossiers will be paperless. Actually, at the, I mean, this is, this is very important for a number of reasons. Firstly, it's a major change to how the industry works because for as far as we remember, 
um, the you get a paper report with your report and you, you, know, you show right. it to someone and that's, that's how it works. In fact, I remember often seeing at the shows that people wouldn't even display their diamonds. They would just display their, their, their reports in right. the display right. cabinet, which was crazy. But, um, yeah. And this, uh, this definitely certainly brings a, a new dimension to that. And another element of that is that they're including with that a, a new way of verifying that the diamond does in fact match the report. So as we've heard on quite a few occasions, sometimes fraudsters are able to inscribe a fake girdle inscription onto a diamond. Mm. And so, for example, this commonly happens with lab-grown diamonds where they'll take a, they'll take a lab-grown diamond, they'll cut it to the, almost the exact specifications of a known GAI-graded natural diamond and then switch the reports and put a fake inscription on the girdle. Um, in the past, the GIA have caught this out by basically having a human being physically look at the girdle and saying the font doesn't look right, um, which is obviously an, an inefficient way of doing it, although I'm sure they're still pretty pretty good at doing that. So they actually were displaying it, at, the GIA were displaying it at their booth a, uh, a machine uh, that matches, that basically looks at the girdle and identifies how the girdle inscription is written on the girdle, which apparently is unique because the way, the spacing of the numbers relative to the facets on the girdle is impossible to repeat. Right, um, wow. Okay. So I didn't know that. Um, I didn't either until, yesterday, until two days ago. Um, so there'll be, it's basically artificial intelligence able to, um, that, that can confirm that a, an inscription is genuine. So, as I said, there's two there's two aspects to this. Right, and so that's um, that's the match ID pro, um, yes. machine. And so, yes. how, how will it work? Is would that be a service that the the GIA provides for its clients, or is it a machine that they're selling to to companies that can use it in their in their stores or in their yeah. their factories? It's the latter. It's um, a machine that they will sell. Uh, they told me it was mainly for retail, intended for retailers to, mm. to to use in their stores. Okay, but I think the biggest story about going paperless it sort of streamlines the whole digital, the digitization of the of the industry and the supply chain in, um, uh, from from retail through to or, or the other way around from the grading reports and they can, and it allows for it would allow for easier traceability. Is that something that they spoke yeah. about? Um, and it, does that conversation fit into the this um, this uh, new product? I don't recall if they said that explicitly, but I think you're right. Um, and also, you know, we've been talking recently about things like Serene Technologies introducing their you know, diamond grading on site and things that manufacturers mm. can grade can can you know, the grading can take place without having to even leave the factory. This type of thing, I mean, obviously, uh, this is a prerequisite for all that sort of thing. You need to have. You need the digital report. Right. So the GIA has been fairly shy to say that yes. the market's going in that direction, but this yes. would be a step towards that yes. um, for yes. sure. And and then there's the environmental aspect of it that they that they yes, bring in as well, which um which yeah. which fits into the sustainability um yes, and correct. it never occurred to me, but but all those thousands and thousands of reports um translates to a lot of paper. 
<laughs> and yeah. and yeah. I forget the numbers, but they did give a they did give an amount which uh, which yeah. uh, you know so many tons that they expect to save yeah. on paper, and yeah. um, and there is an yeah. environmental a- aspect to it. So um, it would be interesting to hear you know if there was any res- response or or a reaction to the move by the trade. Um, it might be too soon to to tell. I think. Yeah. Um. The other the other story that I wanted to point out was so Lucix, a lab grown producer based in Israel. Um, they were at the show, and they announced um, that they had received an investment from LVMH Luxury Ventures. Um, so t- total $90 million um, among three lead investors, two less prominent companies, and then this unit of LVMH. And they noted that this is the first time that they're aware of that a major luxury brand has invested mm. in a lab-grown company like this. I did ask them more does that mean they're going to be using your diamonds? And they said, we can't say that yet. Um, right. Okay. So I did my well, job that, by was, that, <laughs> that was my question. Yeah. That, um, that it's, uh, but, but it would, I mean, either way, it is a, a statement yeah. by LVMH yeah. that, um, that they yeah. uh, have some belief in yeah. this, in the product. Yeah. I mean, they are already using their, the um, tag hire, which is an LVMH right. brand is already using Lucid Seals. Um, lab-grown diamonds for one of its new watches. That's um, right. But right. I think it will be more more interesting if one of the luxury jewellery brands like Bulgari or whoever. Mm. Or Tiffany. Tiffany, yes. Good point. Or Tiffany. Yeah. I mean, it's it seems that uh, what's going on in this on the supply ch- side of the of the market, and with the Russian goods not being available in the United States, that people are thinking lab-grown um, as a potential. Um, Potential way to fill that supply gap, particularly on the melee, on the on the on the on the higher quality melee um, goods, and yeah. I would imagine that that's something that the that that Lucix would be looking at and, and thinking about. Um, did they give an opinion on the uh, on that that aspect of supply? Uh, so I'm, I'm not sure that they. I, I I would think I'm not sure it would be so efficient for them to. Create to, to grow melee. Well, you went to their you went to their factory in in Israel, right? Where you met with yeah. Uh, and we should mention that uh, Lucix is um, is well, its founder is Benny Landau, who's a who's sort of a, a tech um, entrepreneur and a, a kind of a a, um, a bit of a rock star. And I think he it sounded yes. like he made a bit of a splash at, in Vegas with this yes. announcement, and they had a big yes. event. Yes, but. But I mean, you went to their factory and you interviewed him. I think he's been on yeah. our podcast as well. Yes. Um, but what what type? What is their focus? Is it on the bigger stones on on, on bridal on that on that um, side of of the market that they're that they're challenging? I believe it is mostly it's larger and high quality uh, stones. They they produce a standard um, uh, pyramid shaped diamond. I'm not sure it would be so. I'm not sure it would be so efficient for them to produce melee because you'd have to stop the growth process. At an early, an early stage, whereas they're capable uh-huh. of, they're they're one of the companies that's capable of, um, growing larger stuff. Uh, well, yeah, and 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 without um, uh, without things going wrong in the process, so they they claim to have much higher quality stones than everyone else. Beyond Lucix, um, the lab-grown pavilion and area and sort of headspace, I think that um, that the that segment of the market takes. In Las Vegas, um, seems to be growing every year, um, so, um, and and they do tend to 
and draw attention on uh, I know that there was a, a record um a record uh, lab grown diamond of 30 carats that was on display at um, at one of the companies in the in the lab grown pavilion as well um this time yeah no the, the lab grown section was quite uh, upbeat uh but uh you, know, you walk around and people kind of you know, stop you and want to talk to you about their stuff right a bit less conservative and more promotional, I think. So yeah, maybe they're getting bigger just as well. Got, just got something to gain. Yes, exactly. And uh, I mean, f- for sure, the um, it is grabbing the re- retail attention, um, and that's where the growth really is. But it's um, it's still from a fairly fairly um, low uh, low base. Um, it's been an interesting um, few weeks uh, or two weeks since our last podcast that um, suddenly it, there was a bit of a slow period in the news and and now suddenly there are these very interesting and um, important stories coming to coming to play um, today in fact we we picked up that blue Nile is going to be listing on the on the Nasdaq exchange um, where, which um, which I think is a significant development for the industry we always saw blue nile as this kind of bellwether stock really for the for the jewelry jewelry market and uh, bellwether company that uh, its results would give an indication of the growth of um, of on of online business and now we'll have that indicator again um, which together with brilliant earth being public suddenly you know we lost tiffany to going private going within the the lvmh space and now we we're gaining these two smaller but but um, fairly interesting companies, um, I think. And uh, so the, that Blue Nile um, announcement was uh, certainly caught my eye. And it's something that uh, will help our job. How many years is it since they delisted? They, uh, I think it was in 2000, 2016. Yeah. Right. So, um, and it was uh, the, the numbers that they showed were, were fairly interesting because they, you can't call it a prospectus because they're not having a, in, uh, an initial public offering. Um, they're doing the listing through a SPAC, a special purpose acquisition company, which is basically a company that's, um, that's listed on the exchange for the purpose of merging with another company that they can um, draw revenue from. So, um, but they did give a, a fairly detailed and interesting presentation in, in their SEC filing. And it showed that their revenue was at around um it was at 566 million in in 2021 and if you look at the growth over the time since they last published it's um you know in in 2015 we were talking about 450 million um, revenue so it's been a there's been some growth there but um but not uh, exponential as we might have thought um or, or we may be suspected of would have expected a bit more than uh, than than from the base that they they were known from. All right, so Joshua, just on a personal level, um, you know, how how has the the Vegas experience been for you so far? What was your what was your favorite part so far? Um, we've there's still there's still uh, Sunday and Monday or half of Sunday and Monday left of the of the show. So what's been the highlights? Yeah, I think the 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 best thing is having has been basically having everyone in the industry in one small space um, and be able to walk from booth to booth and uh, speak to people that uh, I would otherwise have to chase with phone calls. Um, so definitely uh, the convenience of that. Um, the worst thing is going from 42 degree heat outside to 
minus 42 crazy air conditioning inside yeah <laughs> right. um they really really pump out the air conditioning here they do they do um well, that's what the shows are all about: is is seeing those faces that um, and and networking, um, and uh, and so I'm so glad that uh, that the industry's had a chance to to get back to it. Um, and did you have a chance to put some, put a few dollars on on the the roulette table or the craps table, blackjack, anything? What What do you think the answer is? I. I don't want to. I don't want to assume. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a big, a big no. I'm afraid. A big no. But, okay. Uh, well, there's, there's still time. You can do it in my name. Okay. Put a few dollars in my name. I'll pay you back. Yeah. Only if you win. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right, Joshua. Well, have a wonderful time. Send my um, love and regards to the whole industry out there in Vegas, and um, definitely got some FOMO going on over here, and and. Uh, and it's uh, it's just um, really great to follow and and get the the positive feedback and uh, let's hope that it translates into into a, 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 a more optimistic outlook for for the industry in the second half. Yeah. So thank you for joining me and in, in your busy busy few days, Joshua. And it's great chatting to you. We'll see you soon. My pleasure. See you soon. All right. Thanks everyone for listening and uh, and take care. Thank you for listening to this podcast brought to you by Ignite, a full-service innovation, science, and technology division within the De Beers Group, spearheading step change throughout the diamond industry.